0: Hey out there, all you rock and roll fans! Welcome to the 64th edition of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast, recorded here in Northwest Central London, just off Historic Abbey Road. And I want to thank everybody who tuned in last week to our episode on Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction, the hard-hitting, sleazy debut that skyrocketed GNR to the top of the charts, where they stayed for. Four or five years before it really all kind of fell apart. And we really thank Chris from At Rock These Tweets for being a part of that. Great guy, great guest, super knowledgeable, uh, and a fun conversation that we had about GNR and appetite. So if you haven't heard that one already, please go back and check that one out. We're going to shift gears here a little bit this week as we talk about Tom Petty. And this is an album we're going to do that's maybe not that familiar to most people. As soon as we say Tom Petty, most people jump immediately to Full Moon Fever or maybe the debut album or something like that. But one celebrating its 40th anniversary this year is Long After Dark. And the big hit song off that was You Got Lucky, which featured the boys in a kind of post-apocalyptic setting discovering video games and discovering a jukebox and a little boombox to, to hear some old music in that was all over MTV in like 1982, 1983. But that was really the only big hit off of it. It marked a, an interesting time for Tom where he had been battling with record companies, battling for publishing rights, battling for the price of his albums to not go up and rip off the fans, trying to do some stuff with Stevie Nicks. It was just kind of a tough time. And in fact, I think the delay of the release of Hard Promises, which came out right before Long After Dark, maybe hindered Long After Dark a little bit, and that was kind of running into the same place in people's minds as, hey, didn't Tom Petty just make a new record kind of thing? So it was kind of a tough time. Plus, I'm not sure how enamored he was with MTV as of yet. So he worked with Jimmy Iovine to create this album, and I think it's great. It's often overlooked But I think it's a wonderful Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers record. It sounds like them. If you'd never heard it before, you immediately would pick up that it's them. There's going to be one song that most everyone will recognize, with it's You Got Lucky. But the rest of them are very much Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Not everyone's golden, but I think overall, as an album, it's a good one. And we want to shed some more light on it here today. Now, just a little bit of housekeeping. As usual, we want you to subscribe and download Anywhere you get your podcast, if you could ever leave us a quality review, that would be huge for us. It just helps us find more fans. And please check out Good Pods. It's a great place to find new podcasts and interact with the podcasters who create them. Of course, you can always DM or tweet us at Ugly underscore Werewolf at ActionJack72. So with that, folks, we're going to take you back in the time machine 40 years, going back for an artist who's no longer with us, Tom Petty who really made a huge impression all over the world. is hailed as one of the great American rock and roll songwriters and a heck of a cool guy, a guy who fought for what was right for artists, for individuals, for songwriters. Uh, he lost his life a few years ago. I was lucky enough to see him a few times live, and we will talk about it here on the show. But let's dig in. Let's get into the often overlooked long after dark on its 40th anniversary here on The Wolf. You know, I had a lot of fun listening to this record again, Jackson. I put it on a few nights ago after we'd had a good family day, family evening, had a good time mm-hmm. together, and the girls were going to bed and I was gonna crack a few beers. I put on these songs, which I hadn't hadn't listened to probably since around when Tom Petty died. And I just thought, wow, man, this is still great. This is still great American rock and roll, man. Tom Petty was was awesome. I got I had so much I didn't like Tom Petty much when I was younger, but I really grew to appreciate How awesome he was. How big time he was as a songwriter who could really relate.
2: Why did you not like him?
0: Why did I not like him? Yeah, it's... Part of it is that, you know, he shoved down your throat a little bit. Like, Rolling Stone said he's great. MTV loves him. Everybody said, okay, he's so great. And all that. Kind of like the way they did with John Mellencamp. And I never really liked him. And I still really don't. Uh, Oh, he's just an American. You know, yeah, whatever. But... uh, I don't know. And, you know, when I first was getting into music, I was in a new wave and pop and Michael Jackson and stuff like that. And uh, even though I had some appreciation for rock and roll, and I don't know, he just didn't fit the bill for some reason to me. I had to grow up a little bit and come to appreciate his songs a little bit more.
2: I would say the same thing. I mean, I I probably first got it or first got introduced to tom Petty through don't come around here no more that was a big mtv video right um i thought it was cool because oh look it's dave stewart from the eurythmics playing that wacky synth uh sitar mm-hmm. intro to it uh it was a cool video the alice in wonderland deal and then yeah it kind of fell off until probably full moon fever and that was big and so and then in in college we kind of started to get into more stuff that was not that like acdc right. you know like there is no big riffs in here um, and then so then i then we then you got lucky started to come back onto the radar again and then that's where this album kind of got reintroduced to me but yeah there isn't any big hooks they don't have there's no big solos but i think mike mike campbell is severely underrated now that i've listened to this He's not real flashy, but yeah. he's real, like, he's got that, like, Keith Richards, Izzy Stradlin, like, I'm going to give you exactly what you need for this. I'm just going to fill in the cool on these tracks.
0: I've always said that he's he's underrated. The reason is, is because he doesn't really overplay. He's not a showy guitar mm-hmm. player. He's not trying to go out front and show you, look at all these cool licks. He never wastes a note I've seen him described as. He's kind of spare yeah. with it, but he's he's right on it, right? He he's, right. gives it exactly what it needs, and he co-wrote a lot of songs with Tom Petty over the years. Right, I've seen Tom Petty live, and he, you know and you know, in later years, he always called Mike Campbell the co-pilot. I mean, that's how together they are and have known each other for you know, obviously, so long. There's this big line of trust there, but yeah, Campbell plays. Great, almost so great that you don't even notice. You do have to almost kind of go pick him out because there's a lot of you great. Know. I mean, Tench is great. He puts in a lot of good flavor himself on this, you know, and they can share that kind of same middle ground there. But yeah, no, it's, uh, the, the You Got Lucky video itself, although I love it now because I love the song. Back in 82, 83, I was like, man, no, play Duran Duran or play Minute Work or <laughs> Flock of Seagulls or Who are these who are these old guys? Yeah. I don't want any of this. This is
2: terrible. Yeah, yeah. The you other know- thing I didn't realize is I thought that kind of got rammed down their throat like it's gonna be a post-apocalyptic world that you're in. All right, I guess we'll do this. But apparently, like Petty really got into it and said, no, no, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna have this concept video. Uh, which I ge- which I guess he would translate again into "Don't come around here." But yeah, I, I would have, I would have bet money that it was somebody else that that made them do that.
0: Well, yeah, and apparently they, he didn't like the song much. I mean, they didn't really start to play it live. Maybe they played it on that next tour, but they didn't really play it live again with any regularity till like 2014. So it wasn't one of Tom's favorite songs, I guess. And the video, it, because it's longer, right? They, they have like a minute. Of wind up with them coming down the road in, I guess, the hover car, although it was, you know, I always yep. saw the wheels on the quote unquote hover <laughs> car, even back then. Yeah, it, was, it was 82.
2: Come on, in a video, give them a break. I know, I know. And
0: they walk up and they find the, the you know, the little cassette player or whatever, and they press play, and, and the, you yep. know, then the thing starts. So I don't know, it was extra long. I don't, now I think it's an amazing song. Maybe my favorite Tom Petty song, Jackson, but not okay. my favorite Tom Petty song on the album, which makes no sense.
2: That makes no sense. But that's
0: that's me, and I'm going to explain my no sense here all in all in due time. Okay.
2: Well, let's let me start at the beginning here, and I I I've got a problem. I've got a problem. I'm raising my hand. Yes. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers because I understand that, like for instance, the Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. That's a bad, but that's Dave Grohl. Okay. I, uh, there's no. There's no two ways about that. He's driving the bus. I really think saying Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers kind of minimal- minimalizes the rest of the guys in the band. These dudes are fantastic. I it, like, you know, like you were talking about, you know, Stan Lynch on the drums and this is the one they picked up Howie Epstein and he, he stayed for a long time. I really feel like these guys really were a band, even though they kind of almost didn't get treated like that with the name and then there was the whole full moon fever thing. That was a whole other train wreck that they got into. Train full wreck that sold also. about
0: forty million copies or something, Jackson.
2: <laughs> but that, but but the the problem was that that was Tom Petty. Not Tom Petty in the heart. So he's like, right. oh, I can do this by myself. And then, oh, let's get back together and let's be a bit. Well, you kind of already burned me with that. So I don't know. I, I think that I think that he had these guys for a long time. They were definitely part of his signature sound. Yeah. And they, they, he would have lost a lot, constantly interchanging players. So I think the fact that he had these guys for so long really helped him along in his career.
0: Well, I think Campbell and Tench are actually very good, you know, and could make it in music, especially had they not been mm-hmm. in the Heartbreakers, had they gone a different route or whatever. They certainly were able to do things away from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers with mm-hmm. songwriting and things like that, producing. This was kind of an interesting time for Tom Petty. You know, it, he had this is their fifth album together. It's their first yeah. it's their first with Howie Epstein. Ron Blair had kind of mm-hmm. been with them since the beginning. He left. I think he wanted to get off the road. And for some reason, I feel like he opened, it was like a bikini shop, like in Malibu or, or you know, Venice Beach oh, or, you right. know, someplace like that. And it's like, yeah, being in a place where there's beautiful women everywhere coming in every day to try on skimpy bathing suits. Or I could be on a bus with a bunch of dudes for six months of the year <laughs> and then going back and forth to the studio the other six months. You know, I, you know sounds pretty good to me. He actually got Howie. From Del Shannon, Del Shannon of "My Little Runaway" fame, which was like mm-hmm. one of my dad's old favorite oldie classics. He would play that when I was like a real little kid, and that got in my head, you know, when I was three or four or something like that.
2: They yeah. were gonna, they were gonna tap him for the uh, Wilberries. Yes, yes. See, Once Orbison died,
0: I know. Well, so and he didn't know it. So yeah, so Tom was friends with Del. Tommy got to be friends with all these old classic dudes like Roy and George Harrison and, you know, Del Shan. He knew everybody, and he just, he wouldn't see Del, and he noticed how good Howie was, and he, when Ron left, he took him. And Del was pissed, because he's like, Tom, you can have anyone you want. You know, do you have to take Howie? And he's like, Del, I'm taking Howie. And he's like, he got over it, sort of. And then he had the chance to make it up to him. So when Roy died and the Willburys want to go on, like the next day we were going to see Del. To say, we want you to join, you know, to be the new Wilbury. The next day they were going to see him. But Dell took his own life that mm. night. Mm. Craziness. All right. So, mm. so Dell met with a demise there. Tom met with a bit of demise. I never really figured he would go out the way he did. But I did get to see him on that last tour. So glad that I did. Because they were always great Yo. live, man. They were always great. Anyway, hard times for Tom Petty. He'd gone through a couple of fights, right? He'd gone through the fight where MCA had bought ABC Records, and he like, you can't just put me on a new record label without my permission. It doesn't just work that way. And so he fought and he held out and he sued and did all that. And then they they basically broke up a new little label, Backstreet Records, for Tom Petty, where they got a three million dollar, you know, record contract out of that. He fought to get his publishing because he thought, you know, publishing was just songbooks, kinda like Paul McCartney kind of thought that, and, and maybe the right. Beatles get back. It's like, "Do they really buy a lot of these songbooks? Is that what publishing is? No, it's not, okay? <laughs> it's when your music gets played, you get paid. And, and Petty's like, "Why? how could this be yours when I wrote it? It came from my mind and heart. You don't just have it because you stuck it out there. So he fought for that. And his previous album to this, Hard Promises, which pictures him in a record store looking through records. They were raising the price of a new record from $8.98 to $9.98. Right? Mm-hmm. For the superstars, for like, you know, the Bee Gees, you know, like for the big records coming out at the time. And he's like, no, you're ripping off the fans on my name, you know, and you're not doing that. And he got in a fight. So much so he almost called the record 898. So <laughs> that's what people would pay for it, right? So he he's been in a few fights, good fights, good fights in his own favor, good fights on the side of artists and songwriters. But that kind of stuff can wear you down, especially when you're like doing an album a year and a couple of tours a year.
2: Yeah. And I think that's what we kind of forget about now is even at that point in time, there was no big layoff for these guys. I mean, it was literally either you were in the studio making the record on the road and then, you know, back into it again. So, yeah, I can imagine that that just it just wears on you after a while, especially when you're when you're having to come up with original material. And no offense to the rest of the guys in the band, it's just Petty and then some Mike Campbell. But I mean, the the heavy lifting is all on him.
0: Right, yeah, for sure. Plus, they're not, I mean, they may sell millions, but they're not going, they're not, this isn't Full Moon Fever, or the greatest hits album. You know, they're not mm-hmm. selling 10, 20, 30 million of these. They're selling a million, couple million. This one, Long After Dark, apparently still hasn't gone platinum. It's a gold record, but uh-huh. it apparently still isn't platinum. Uh, it, it, in America, you know, maybe it's sold over a million worldwide, but that's kind of interesting to me I would figure at this point all of the old Heartbreakers records would be platinum
2: Yeah, especially since his death, I would I would have thought, yeah, you're right People would have just gone back and filled in the, the album sales, but I guess
0: not Yeah, I got it I got it years back, you know, I mean when uh, we were going to see Tom Petty God, it might have been on the last tour And I decided, you know, I wanted to get some of his old records to have him in the collection and re-listen to some because so much of the time these days, an artist like that, yeah, their big hit records may still go for 12 or 15 bucks on Amazon or something like that. But some of those ones that, that only went gold or whatever, you can get them for five bucks. And I remember picking up like f- four out of his first five records for like $20 or something like that on Amazon, this one included. And then listening through it, it's like, yeah, you got lucky. It, it sounds. It sounds it's so much more poignant today, just because when I was nine or whenever it came out, I hadn't know anything about relationships, you know. Right. <laughs> and it's yeah. like that's not Rio, you know. She's not dancing on the sand. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear a happy, <laughs> a happy song, you know. Uh, but now it's like, yeah, it, you know. Live a little bit, and like some of the world might open up for you,
1: right?
2: And then you listen and you say, "Oh, now I see what he's saying." But I can see why he didn't like that because it doesn't sound like anything else on this record,
0: yeah, or you know, or or much else in the catalog. And you know, you think about it. I mean, I think the first side, of the, first side of the record is great. I think the second side is a little weak. And he got into a a little bit of a rut. It would seem after this, right? Because they did basically an album a year for five years, six years, something yeah. like that. And then they didn't put out Southern accents until 1985. They mm-hmm. did some collaborations and he's working with Stevie on some stuff, but still, you know, I, I feel like there was a little bit of burnout here. And most of this album is like breakup songs, right?
2: You yeah. know, and, and hard, Yeah. And hard times. And yeah, just yeah. kind of the yeah working man blues.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think some of this fighting the record company to get his own label fighting to be, in charge of his own music fighting to set the price of his music you know uh, all this legal stuff that's not playing and making music that'll burn you out man
2: yeah and especially when you're if you're trying to fight a record company i mean they've they've done this a million times they've got lawyers you know on retainer they've got they can fight you very easily and if you're one guy that's got to be tough because you feel like you're you know i'm sure there were other artists who were like yeah go ahead and do that all right well i guess i'll yeah, I'll do it by myself. Kind of the whole sure. Lars Ulrich thing with, uh, with Napster, with Napster mm-hmm. and, oh, this guy's such a jerk, blah, blah, blah. And like, everyone's like, yeah, he's totally right. Okay, well, thanks <laughs> for letting me stand there by myself and getting <laughs> right.
0: pelted with rocks. Jerks. Hey, guys, this is Ryan Condal, the executive producer, writer, creator of House of the Dragon. And you're listening to the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast. And you should download and subscribe. Keep doing that. <laughs>
2: So you want to start with uh, start at the beginning here? All right.
0: So, Long After Dark, produced by Jimmy Iovine, mm-hmm. who I guess they've been working with for a little while now.
2: That's what it looks like, yeah. Because I went back and looked through there. I'm like, oh, this is a fr- no. He's been there for a while. So that's a that's a pretty good that's a pretty heavy hitter you've got there in the uh, in the studio with you.
0: My favorite story from Jimmy Iovine with the Heartbreakers is was it Scorsese? I think they did like a four or six hour documentary on Tom Petty. That's probably at least 15 years old by now. Okay. You know, maybe a little older than that. Really in depth, kind of went through the years and all the different things he'd done, all the people he worked with, all the ups and downs. And he's like, you know, Jimmy's from New York, and he's—he's he's, you, know, you know he's like pushy. Let's go. You know, we're from the South. We come in, and we come in. We smoke a joint. We pass around. I was like, you want to do that bird song kind of song? We're doing like, yeah, let's do some of that. Maybe we can. Or you know. Jimmy watching? Hey guys, you ready to go? You were working on something yesterday. You want to finish that? Let's go ahead and finish this one up, guys. And then we can work on the one that Tommy was. And he's like. Whoa, dude, you need to chill out. You know? <laughs> Those are worlds colliding right there. But, uh, you know, with that friction gets you some good stuff over the years. I mean, you can't deny his few albums before this, as far as you're going to get it. Um, Hard Promises was right before this. What was the one in the middle there? Damn Torpedoes was a good one for him. Mm-hmm. So uh, along with the debut. So they've been building on some stuff here now. Jimmy's part of the team now. So I guess there were some high expectations that maybe weren't met with this album. But I, I don't know. I, I, think it's, I think it's a great Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers record.
2: Yeah, and I guess it, was, it was, came out really, really close to the, to the one before this, to Hard Promises. And so I, I think that what I was reading, people were saying, well, how can this be? Why would you do this? Like, how could you have enough new material for this? So I think there was a little bit of trepidation as far as what are we really going to get out of it? doesn't well, really sound a whole bunch different than Hard Promises, but I mean, I think overall it works.
0: Yeah, well, it was probably due to the, you know, it got delayed, kept getting delayed because of the fight with the record company over the price, Hard Promises, right? And they got pushed back, uh, pushed back. In the meantime, we've got new music to put out, right? We, we continue to record, continue to do our thing, because that's what we have to do as a band is... Make a new record every year. So, yeah, you may want to push back hard promises all you want. Fine. Then it finally gets out. We get some hits out of it. Now we're following it up with long after dark. And I just feel like even the titles, like, it sounds like they're a little tired. Like, you know, <laughs> we've been doing this a long time now. And now we, we've been burning the candle both ends where we're fighting all day in court. And we're staying up all night to party and record and tour and everything. And so it's not just like once the sun sets, this is going on long after dark. And you know, in the seventies and eighties, when you're staying up long after dark, what's going on? What's going up your nose?
2: You know? It well, could be anything. Who knows? Yeah. And and then that, you know, that goes back to the and I was thinking about this in the Beatles uh documentary too. The the difference between the artists who want to go in there and, you know, fool around a little bit, make art, and then the people who are you know, the production guys who are under deadlines to, we need to get this finished now. And yeah, now, okay, we've wasted half a day fooling around and telling stories and starting to get itchy here. Yeah. How do you, and then I guess that's the, that's the thing about the producer is how do you kind of guide them into doing what you need to do without making them say, well, forget it and walking out of the place and, not coming back right how
0: do you be the boss when really you work for them you know it's it's yeah it's a it's a fine line you know
2: it's almost like a it's almost like you're a school teacher or something or print you know principal you kind of you don't want to scold them too hard but you need them to perform and yeah you i'm sure they're getting calls from the uh record companies every day like this every hour that you're in there costs us x number of thousands of dollars this. What did you get done today? Well, they came in late and they fooled around a little bit, and then we broke for lunch. And yeah, that was pretty much it. No, wrong answer. Wrong answer. <laughs> so yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. Let's get into it. Then afterwards, we can get into you know how we consumed Tom Petty when we were in college. All right. Together. All right. Start us off. One Story Town, Jackson.
2: This is. I, I think it's a. It's a good track to start off with. It almost had a little tiny bit of Beatles. At the beginning, you know, kind of a—that's what I heard. Uh, it's a good straight-ahead rocker, you know, kind of the, you know, the working man lost in a one-story town. I've been kicked around my whole life. <laughs> I like it. I mean, I think it's a good way to start. You know, we've talked about this several different times. It's—you've it, got to kind of set the tone mm-hmm. at the beginning of the record. And I think this does a pretty good job of telling you what's going on here. It's—it's going to be. What you know, what you expect from Tom Petty Mm -hmm. and, you know, not not too much, but just enough on this first
0: one. Yeah. You know, look, it's it's got great Tom Petty lyrics that can usually mean mm -hmm. a couple of different things. Right. So, yeah, you're talking about a one story town, which is literally like everything's one floor because, you know, it's a tiny place and it's a place you dream to get out of. But it's also everyone's got the same story. Like, I was born here, I lived and worked here, I'm going to die here. Like, that's everybody's yep. story. And it's like, you've got bigger dreams than that, right? So you've got to get out of there because it's where the same shit goes down and nothing turns around, mm-hmm. right? You don't grow. It's Yeah, it's the same here every day of every year. Some people love that, but there's some people who need more. And You know, I, I do feel like I hear a little bit of almost a new wavy guitar okay. underneath it, boom, ee- you can kind of hear it under um, his singing on it, so that that's kind of a step in a, a bit of a different direction, maybe. Or you know, they weren't new wave, but they were coming up during the time of new wave, so they had to have been hearing it on the radio and seeing it out on the road. So.
2: Yeah, I mean, they they were definitely contemporaries of the Cars, right? And so I wonder, you know, and then the Cars were American, as as uh, Tom Petty was. I wonder too about Boston. I mean, you went, uh, yeah, out of Boston. I wonder if some of this is Gainesville, you know? I mean, Mm -hmm. Gainesville, especially, I mean, it's a, it's a college town. It's got a lot of stuff in it, but if you don't go to college there, I could see how you would think this was a one story telling, I got to get out of here. It's in the middle of nowhere in the state of Florida. He's got, had bigger dreams. I'm out.
0: Now look, as a proud graduate of the university of Florida, who spent a couple of years living there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the college is great. It's, it's an amazing university. They have all sorts of amazing facilities. You get 10 minutes outside of Gainesville, man. I mean, you are in a swamp. You are, you are in Florida, but you are not near the beach. And there's there's nothing out there, man. Hunting and fishing and not having to deal with anybody you don't want to, I guess. Tom Petty had a real problem with his father who was kind of like that. You, know, you needed to get away from him as much as you needed to get away from the fact that You know, there's nothing going on there. So he went and took guitar lessons in town from a guy named Don Felder, who ended up having a Mm. bit of a career in rock and roll himself. Yeah, I think I've heard of him before. Yeah, and managed to get his way out. But no, I mean, you're right, though. See, this is is setting the tone that it's a good little rocker, so you know musically, sonically what it's going to be. But it's also going to be about, you know, this is about getting through some of the hardships of life here uh you you're not born on third base you got to get out there and get get up at the plate right then comes you got lucky man the big hit off this one
2: okay but hold on a minute here if you're joe public and you say you know what i really like tom petty i liked his stuff before the album's brand new i'm gonna go ahead and buy it you put it on the first time would you say what is this what is he doing here? Cause this is a real hard left turn. I mean, now obviously it's a big hit. They had a huge video. We get this 30, 40 years later, yeah. but I can imagine on first hearing this, you would say, I don't know what this is. It's, it's real. it's weird. It's got that piano part to it. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, you know, it's really, it's really dark when you listen to the lyrics, you know, you got lucky when you found me, when I found you, it's like, Oh, But, I mean, it's aged really well, but I don't – I would really be interested to see people's first take on this back in 82. Like, what is this? And
0: my first take as a nine-year-old, right? Okay. Didn't like it. Didn't uh-huh. like it at all because I didn't understand the mature thieves. You got lucky. I'm yeah. watching the video more than I'm really hearing the music probably. Uh-huh. And I never, I mean, look, I don't know anyone who says Tom Petty is a great looking rock star. <laughs> I, I i thought he was not that good looking of a guy. I'm like, why is he on TV kind of thing? And, you know, and then he was bashing, you know, at the end he knocked over a video game. Well, damn it, I love video games back in the day, <laughs> right? And nine years old, man, you could see me playing Tron for hours, you know, so. <laughs> so I'm like you know the whole thing and and like I said you know there's like a minute of it where there's not even a song you know where they're kind of setting up the video which makes it long which takes longer to get to whatever I wanted to see the Vapors or Blondie or whatever was on you know You know, as a nine-year-old, they could play playing beat it next, but they're playing this damn thing again. You know.
2: Well, I guess I'll go get something to eat or whatever. This will just be on for a couple minutes. I think
0: it was overplayed. I think I was sick one day and I watched like eight hours of MTV while everybody was at work, and I saw it like five times. I was like I can't believe they're playing this again. You know. <laughs> but yeah, honestly, I. I yeah. And I saw him play it live, and I'm so glad I did. Obviously, everyone's been through breakups, but this is not one that's like, hey, I'm sorry it didn't work out, or, you know, you deserve better, or something like that. It's like, yeah, all right, I'm not it. Fine, go. Just go, okay? Right. But you got lucky, babe. And I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's good stuff right there, man. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, no.
2: I'm not worried about it yeah you'll find the error of your ways but I think uh, I think the uh, Campbell's guitar work on this like the solo part again adjust enough to what you need not perfect. real flashy but yeah exactly but no yeah. not
0: flashy god you could play that after two guitar lessons if you had the tablature man I mean that's not real hard to yeah. do but it's awesome I mean it's perfect for the song and mm-hmm. Ben is in there real good I, I thought on that because yeah you hear those keyboards and the piano the synths in there it's like well, wow, that is different but that's you know, that's Ben Montt. He's really good, you know. So mm. to this, I love the song. It, it It is hard for me to, it might be my favorite Tom Petty song ever, which is unbelievable, given how it started out.
2: Yeah, I, I think it, it's it definitely has aged well. And I'm glad that they put it on here. I'm glad that they took a chance, because this could, I think, easily have been one that maybe you would have gotten on the 40th anniversary. Oh, here's a, here's a track we didn't use, mm-hmm. you know, a little bonus. Wait, why didn't you ever put that out? So I'm glad that whoever talked him into it, did it. And I mean, I don't know, maybe it was Mike Campbell. Cause he wrote, he co-wrote, he co-wrote it. Wrote it. Who yeah. knows?
0: Who knows? Or Jimmy heard it like that's the one. I mean, you know, Yeah. I, I don't know.
2: And I think that's the, well, that's the other thing too. And we've talked about that before. The other thing with the producer is picking through this and saying, There's no, the this hit. is, yeah. yeah Right, right. Unless you're Steven Tyler, and then you think everyone's a hit, and you want every single song to be a released as a single track. But yeah, whoever did it, thank you.
0: Yeah, no, great one. All right, so you move on then to deliver me. Uh, uh-huh. Obviously, some maybe religious overtones to that. But again, this—it's the melody is good. There's good Ben Monette on here. The guitar parts aren't my favorites, as far as the the, the riff goes. But it still sounds like good Tom Petty. I don't know, and it sounds like it's about redemption to me.
2: Yeah, and it, it feels like, okay, so we're on the we're on the road and we kinda got off on the exit with you got like, okay, now we're back on this is another, you know, kind of straight ahead sounding song. Yeah, there's the bass and the piano are nice at the beginning. This is kind of like I think even if you'd never heard this song before and you put it on, you say, oh, that's Tom Petty. Like mm-hmm. that's his sound, his kind of signature on this one. Yeah, again, Deliver Me. What are we talking about? Deliver Me from from what? Again, kind of giving a vague idea out there that people can relate to.
0: Right. Deliver kind of, putting, kind
2: of fill, in, fill in what you want to from this song. Exactly.
0: You talk about being delivered to a place. You're talking about... Delivering yourself from evil. Yeah. You know, talking about overcoming your hardships to live, you know, with the life you want. Who knows? But see, that's why he's such, I think that's why he gets so much attention because he really is a great songwriter. And talking about lyrics. Obviously, you and I are more about the rhythm of the track, the melody of the track, the guitar uh-huh. work, right? Like, what's the music of it? And then you want to put some good lyrics over it. That's cool. Or something catchy we can all sing along to. That makes a great song. I wasn't someone who always... I don't know. If they had the lyrics, I would read them if I got them in a cassette. I never had this one until I was much older. So it takes a little bit of maturity to really understand a lot of the relationship kind of stuff, exactly what they're saying in some of these. And that's why maybe it wasn't doing that well in 82 when stuff that came out and grabbed you visually and were earworms, that was bigger in 82. But this is really good rock and roll on this.
2: Yeah, I think that... uh... You Got Lucky was the only video they made. And so that I think that probably kind of in 1982 hurt them because that popular music was moving toward the video visual that's medium. Right. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's too bad, but that's where we are. All
0: right, well, speaking of two, it's too bad. So you go to the next song, Change of Heart. Yes. This was a single. I do not remember it ever hearing it back in the day. And like okay. you say, there was no video. So it did not do as well as You Got Lucky. So... To my knowledge, I'd never heard this song before I bought the record six, seven years, whatever that was. And then I heard that song, and I'm like, that is a hit song. That's a hit Tom Petty song. And I rewound it. And I played it a few more times. I'm like, damn, I can't believe they didn't release this. And then I went and looked it up. They did release it. And I'm like, okay, okay. But, I, but I'd never heard it. So I still found it, right, <laughs> is the way I looked at it. But then I always wondered, or did I? Did I hear it on the radio once and it got into my ear and I never knew who it was. And then when I heard it 40 years later or whatever that was, am I remembering, oh, my God, that's it. I think I heard it for the first time like six years ago when I bought a record. But I think it's an awesome Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers song.
2: Uh, that that happens to me from time to time. There'll be like one line or something and I'm like, wait. What's that song, yeah, Who sings that? What I can't even remember. I'm trying to, you're trying to remember the rest of it from the one, and then you hear it just randomly. That's it, yeah. Right. Again, who knows? But uh, yeah, why was this not bigger? Why was this not a
0: no TV? video? Why you said they it, man. It?
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> huh? Interesting, and who knows? Maybe they. maybe they, uh, for the first one. They spent so much time and money on that, right? They just said, "Hey, we we only have one. We only have the budget for one of these things. So sorry."
0: Right, and it's right on the heel of hard promises, as you said. They did make, I think, the first hundred thousand copies of the single in red vinyl, um, which I would like to have. You know, yeah, uh, that, that would, would be, be cool. nice. You know, uh, so uh, that that's neat. Yeah, it's just it was shocking to me. It's like it's so Tom Petty. It's got like organ in it that's very Ben. I mean, it it just sounds so much like them. And I'm like, this is obviously a really good song. It doesn't really have a solo in it. I mean, but it's, ah, it it just shocked me. But I just, now I'm curious because I knew for sure when I bought it and I listened to it, like, i would never heard this song before. And this is a hit song. And then, you know, doing research, I'm like, well, they did release it. So there is the chance that I heard it on the radio sometime. Hmm. So I just wonder if maybe it got in there. And I just didn't realize just it.
2: <laughs> Although that, that is a lot of fun, though, when you go through these records and you find a song that you really like that you haven't heard before or haven't heard in a long time. And it's it, it's one of the things that I don't like now with the, you know, the Spotify and everything else where it, you can just listen to one song. This mm-hmm. was back in the day when you just put the record on and let it play.
0: Right. That's right. And you would find all these great songs. You really Correct. Maybe get two singles, maybe three if it do well. There's gonna be ten yeah. songs on a record, though, right? So, mm-hmm.
2: and especially if you paid your eight ninety nine or nine ninety nine, you were <laughs> gonna listen to the whole thing.
0: Well, that's right. That's for sure. They wrap up side one with with finding out, which is a good way to wrap up a side. It sounds yeah. like Howie is stepping forward a little bit with his background vocals here, but it's yeah. a, it's another song about moving on, right?
2: Right. I I I got a very Stones vibe at the beginning of this it, it just sounds like something that they would have played i can't imagine that tom petty and Mike campbell and everybody else in the band is not a huge rolling stones fan right that would that would. there was no way and it's kind of like you know you just channel that inner keith richards when you're doing the beginning riff of this thing yeah, you're right. It does. It, there is a nice call and repeat from, you know, Tom, I'm fine. And then I'm fine and now, you yeah. know, back and forth there. That's pretty cool. This is one, it's a little more raw, I think.
0: Yeah, it's a good uh, a rocker. Lonely.
2: Yeah, correct. Yeah, a, a nice a nice uh, track to put in there now. You know, you kind of have, kind of step it up a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, because the change of heart I, it's not a slow song. It's not a ballad. It's kind of a mid tempo with some good rhythm to it. I feel like, but yeah. finding out, stepping back out, like, yeah, I'm gonna find out what else is out there. You know, he, here's the thing: he was married to the same woman, so I don't know. If it, it's I mean, a lot of these songs sound like breakup songs to me, but it could be that he's breaking up with his own record company. He could be breaking up with I don't want to live in Gainesville, Florida. I'm living in Santa Monica. You know. I, whatever um it doesn't just have to be about but that's i guess the universal way to uh communicate it is make it sound like it's a relationship with your woman
2: right right and and i mean and who knows too That's that's a weird it's a weird lifestyle because you know you're at home for a little while but you're in the studio and then you go out for months at a time right pretty much by yourself and you know things go on you see things that are that are crazy right and, I'm not saying he ever partook in anything outside of the marriage, but I mean, I'm sure that the, I'm sure the opportunity was there. No problem.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's it's not an easy life. It, <laughs> it, I mean, it can be fun, but I mean, it depends right. on what you want, I guess, and depends on how you handle it. Correct. But, you know, I mean, ugh, I can't imagine doing it at this age. We're almost fifty, and they did it into their sixties. You know, I mean, I
2: well yeah i mean hopefully the the older you get the more the more luxurious the experience would be no doubt now we're not driving in a van with everybody you know you get more so yeah but i mean even still that is a still it's a who was talking about it somebody like i don't know jay moore or something i couldn't tell you but he said he was staying at a hotel in boston gets up in the morning you know real fancy high-end place and there's Mick Jagger. He's in there, and like it, he's like it's six in the morning, and Jagger is in there working out, mm-hmm. you know, stretching, doing his whole thing. It is a full time job, especially when you get to be, you know, later on in life. These guys really have committed to. Yeah, we're going in whole hog. So yeah, it's 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 tough. I mean, I don't want to get up now and you know work out, but I know. let alone in twenty years. Yeah.
0: But so that wraps side one, and I got to tell you. That's like the best, most solid side one of an album I feel like I've heard in a while. You know, and technically I never had it on cassette or LP; I only had it on CD. But this is the way they made the things back then. They arranged it so they would have certain starts and ebbs and flows, and things fit together in a certain way. And side one on Long After Dark, my favorite side one that I've heard in a long time.
2: Okay, and and they knew too. No matter what, especially on the record, well, on the tape too, you were going to have to physically switch it over, so there would be a gap. There's just no way, right? So yeah, that's a that's a that's a good way to end it, and then flip it over, and then we get ready for side two.
0: And side two is different. It's so it's, uh-huh. it's pretty much all rockers on side one, right? Yeah. Side two is different, and it starts with uh, "We Stand a Chance." which is different i mean it's it's got a little more of a groove to it than a than a rocking thing to it and it's more of a song of hope that it is a you know you got lucky babe or you know uh, yeah or i'm finding out what else is out there it's it's kind of like i don't know it's, it's a little different than the first side that's for sure
2: and i wonder too i wrote down there's there's uh, like clapping in the background how do you how do you come up with that? I mean, okay, okay, we've got guitar, we've got bass, we got drums, we got uh, piano, keyboard. Okay, cool. I think we're gonna put some clapping on this one. What? All right, it works. It's a cool little change of pace. I just wonder how people come up with that.
0: Yeah, maybe it's Jimmy. Who knows? Uh, or maybe yeah. you know, Tom's like, we need something a little sharper than a drum. You know, um, yeah. So we get a clap. You know, I. Who right. knows? It, it's a little bit of a down dirty song. I didn't realize that Tom actually plays lead guitar on this tune. Uh, okay, uh, it's a little different. Uh, but you know, maybe it's that's because he worked it out that way, right? I mean, Campbell had written the previous one, finding out, co-wrote it along with you. Got lucky on the first side, but this is uh, that's Tom on himself, uh, by himself on "We Stand a Chance." So I guess he kind of maybe put the whole thing together there. But good, good tune. But it is a different. It's different.
2: Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes too, that's what you need. When you've got the same people playing the same instruments, doing the same thing, sometimes you get kind of in a... I don't want to say a rut, but you kind of get in the same vibe the whole time. So when you switch it up like, you know, how we always say we like the Keith songs because right. it's just a different it's just a different feel to it. So that's yeah, right. maybe that's what it is. Hey, this isn't working. Let me try playing lead on this and see how it sounds. Oh, all, right, all, right. all right, for this song it works.
0: Yep, I'm down with that. Yep, you're right. But and then it moves into straight into darkness. Now, I think this might have even been like some kind of a release Maybe on the okay. album. Am I right about that?
2: I find it interesting that it's called "Long After Dark," but there is no "Long After Dark" song because you know a lot of times they have that on there. Mm-hmm. As the, but this but this is kind of like straight into darkness. So is that part of the? Are we doing a theme here? or What's going
0: on? Well, I, I guess maybe this was a radio hit or something, or this was a, was oh, okay. a promo pressing hit is not the right word but it's like single yeah they don't have a release date on it they just say 1982 whereas they know you know change of heart was released in february of 83 and you got lucky was october of 82 but again this is a song about this is a weird one in that it seems to be about a relationship (laughs) but you know there's lines like i remember flying out of london you know, the U.K. really did help them launch. I mean, they were on, like, the old gray whistle test, and they did better over here at first in the late 70s than they did in the U.S., and then it was with a little mm-hmm. support from British fans that they actually had to come back and, and pick up some steam in America. But I don't know. It's kind of weird that the song's about... It's like, it's like saying, I don't see a future here, or, I don't feel the love here, but then it's like, but I still think we should hang out and maybe hook up. I don't know. It's kind of a weird... <laughs> song to me um you know and I guess Ron Blair actually played on this one so this is probably left okay. over from the Hard Promises of it, Sessions yeah, could or something be. like
2: that yeah this is kind of a more of a lonely sound or a lonely theme in this one you know just kind of like yeah you're going into the unknown you don't know what's going on I'm always a big fan of the cowbell there's a little bit of that in Love the background the piano, yeah. and then you kind of got that piano bridge in the middle that doesn't sound like anything else they've done before on this record either
0: yeah no the guitar and the piano have some good interplay hear a little, yeah. little back and forth there so no I, I agree with you there so oh, I think the lyrics are a little bit odd I, I think the song is not not bad at all and it, you know, obviously they kept Ron's bit because you know they got it right and so yeah. maybe it was um, I don't know maybe it was because they did have it left over from Hard Promises maybe it was a between single Right? They came out between okay, Hard Promises yeah. and the release Maybe. of... Yeah. And and I don't know. Perhaps. I'd never heard it before I bought the record either. But then, to me, now we're really kind of... It's not that we're making a turn. To me, these next two songs just don't stand out to me. It, it, it's like they're jams they had that got some shape to them. And they're like, okay, yeah, we can put words over that. Right? I mean, the same old you is a little bit of a click there to start. I think everyone comes in clearly... It, it, it's produced well and that you can hear everyone individually. It's not muddled or anything, but for whatever reason, I just don't like this one
2: very much. It's not, because I was looking at the notes I've got here. It's, it, it, the song doesn't really stand out, but I kind of like the message in it. The, you know, you can you can do whatever you want, but I know who you are. You can put <laughs> on different clothes. You can, you can have a different job, but deep down inside, it's, it's the same, same old you. Year. Come yeah. on now. So I, that, that's what I like about this. I think that, This is another like you can hear this at a bar, you know, from a band and, you know, just sit there and groove to it. Yeah. I mean, nothing. Once you get to the back side of the second or the back end of the second side, you kind of think that maybe some of these are just like, oh, we we can't put out an album with seven songs on it. Uh, Okay, maybe we have this. Here you go. Put this in there.
0: Right, right. And between two worlds, to me is is kind of the same thing. Yeah,
2: I don't
0: know. It was the B side of "You Got Lucky." So, I mean, generally speaking, like if if you got lucky is going to be the big hit single, then on the B side of that, you put the song that's like the worst song, right? (laughs) 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 Right. I mean, seriously. Like you don't you don't want to give them two A sides and. The same old UA between both worlds or between two worlds were both co-writes Petty Campbell. So if the single's Petty and Campbell, let's put a B side Petty Campbell, and it's long, it's over five minutes. Like whereas the first the first eight songs of the album are basically all between three and three and a half minutes. They're kind of right in the pocket, perfect rock radio, AOR, kind of length right there. This is the longest. And, and again, it, It doesn't stand out to me. It's kind of like we're kind of getting to the end here and they're just throwing on what they need to.
2: (laughs) To me, this one sounded like they were kind of – to me, the lyrics are more just because you need them to have an actual song. Right. And really, this is more about it's kind of a jam, and then the music exactly. sounds really good. But then it's like, hey, do we have lyrics for this? Uh, yeah, give me a give me a minute, and I'll I'll put something together. Whereas on some of these on the earlier songs, it sounds like his lyrics are more like a message, like that that's kind of driving the bus. This mm-hmm. is more like it. It takes a it takes a backseat to the actual what they're playing music wise, right.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, you know, it, I think both these songs were built out of jams and yeah. they were shaped into something, but maybe they're shaped into enough. Like if, if Jimmy's like, I got eight good songs. I just need two more. Let's work on this thing. Okay, that's good enough, right? Because we don't need, yeah. this isn't going to be Thriller. We're not going to have nine <laughs> hit singles or whatever, you know? <laughs> Seven or eight is crazy. But no, yeah, it's, we, we we get our three or four hits and we fill out the rest of it. I don't know. It, That's just the way I'm hearing it. But, that said, I do think they finish well with uh, Wasted Life, which is a little different again. This is like a bit of a country song a little bit to it, but not like a traditional twangy country song. I don't know. It it sounds like they've got some congos Bongos, which could be this Phil Jones guy, but you can hear the brushes on it. Um, It's kind of a sweet ending to the record
2: it's definitely a different deal i'm, I'm glad they put this last yeah because it, it's a it's kind of an it kind of just floats you out yeah it's 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 more dreamy i don't know there's something going on in the back like a synth or something mm-hmm. it's got a nice bass groove to it it doesn't again it this doesn't sound like anything else on the record i'm glad they put it on there because i do like a a little change of pace and i kind of like the 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 sentiment too of you know a wasted life are we now back to you got to get out of wherever you are, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't want to see, I don't want to, I don't want to come back here in 20 years and have you still be in this town or doing this thing. You've got bigger, you've got bigger aspirations. You've got more ambition and talent to, to to be stuck here.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, what what kind of life do you really want to lead? And again, it could be twofold. I mean, you want to just get loaded all the time. Because you could be living a rock and roll life, make a lot of money. But if you're loaded, is that really the way you want? Or is it you want? Yeah, you want to sit in that small town and just marry the first girl you knock up, and then take the first job that'll hire you. You know, and, and is that really yeah. what you want? You know, so. Yeah, it can mean a few different things. I've seen it on a couple of lists of, like, you know, hidden gems in the Tom Petty catalog, or, you know, you see a top 50 list or something like that. It'll it'll find its way in there a lot. So, you know, for the hardcore fans, they know this one, and I, I think it's a good one. And, look, you, you know, you, the first side, straight rockers, and they all fit together well. They all sound good, although there's some differences in there. And the second side starts off with a little bit of a different song, straight into darkness is kind of more you know their uh their thing couple of jams which you know kind of have some shape to them but then you you wind up with this uh, and it just kind of shows, yeah, we're growing and it's not easy yeah but, right. but we and we don't want to do the same shit over and over again, so that's why we're stretching to do these different things
2: yeah it, it is a nice it is a nice change of pace and then again this is why you listen to the whole record because you're gonna find something like this that you would not do. you probably normally just, oh, what are the big hits off of this? Okay, I'll just listen to that. I'm glad yeah. they put it on there because it just shows that they can do other things.
0: Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I look, the, the second side is not my favorite, although it's got some good stuff on it. But the first side to me, killer, killer old album. I can't believe it's 40 years old. I can't believe 1982 <laughs> was 40 years ago. Probably going to say that a few more times on the show this year would be my guess.
2: Correct. Now, you said that that's your favorite song You Got Lucky your favorite Tom Petty song but not your favorite song off the record what is your favorite song off the record
0: Change of Heart okay because I because I discovered it damn it <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and and that is that is great. That is great because you know you've heard that you've heard the singles a million times. There's nothing better than if, and then you think to yourself, how did everybody else miss this but me? This is a great track. I know. Yeah, I love that the hidden gems or going. that's I guess it was released as a single. It's not really hidden, but just going back and finding something a new song that you or new to you that you haven't heard before. Right. Yeah,
0: and I bet if I played that song for ten buddies, you included right yeah. a week ago and said listen to this song you know this song and you would figure it out that it was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers you'd hear that it's like oh this is Tom Petty. but when did he do this you know because yeah. you didn't know the song and I didn't know the song before I bought it and most people don't I'm telling you there's some people who would remember it and there's a bunch of hardcore Tom Petty fans of course but no that that to me is my favorite on the record and yes I want to find the Red Vinyl single one day <laughs> Yeah, the,
2: the thing that's the thing that's really too bad about this record is that in nineteen what was it? When when did Full Moon Fever come out? Like eighty nine? Yeah, or ninety, right. something 89, like that. I think. That went that went nuclear. Right. And so unfortunately a lot of this old catalog stuff got pushed out of the way. Except for the you know, except for the hits. Right. Because everybody wanted to hear the new stuff. And then they did Into the Great Wide Open, which was another big hit record for them. So then it gets even farther pushed out, and that's just the way it goes.
0: Right. And so that's what I wanted to touch on afterwards. So I so you and I at least I was introduced to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers with You Got Lucky and the video basically, which okay. at the time I didn't like. I knew refugee and I kinda liked that one, but hmm. yeah, I never saw that video and I was a child of the video age. And then, you know, Don't Come Around Here No More, I didn't love. I didn't love the song because you couldn't really tap your toe to it. Plus, the video was shoved down my throat like, this is video of the year. You're going to love this. You're going to watch it. I'm like, okay, it's fine, I guess. Jesus, leave me alone. Um, I don't have to like it. But then, yeah, Tom got on a roll because – the Traveling Wilburys w- were cool as hell, as far as I was concerned. Right. Like, wow, that's a really neat supergroup. Yeah. I had their first record, and then Full Moon Fever, the first Tom Petty album, comes out. Although he's got George all over it, Jeff Lynne all over it, and Mike Campbell helped write a lot of songs. Ringo, I think, played some. You know, there's he's getting, his profile is going huge. Full Moon Fever has six. Hits or something like that. It's crazy. It wouldn't go away. And then, yeah, it was our freshman year in college, if I'm not mistaken, that Into the Great Wide Open came out back now with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And then it was our sophomore year when the Greatest Hits record came out and Mary Jane's Last Dance. Remember that?
2: Yeah. Because I had it. It was a huge... Yeah, we didn't. That's a great
0: track. It, and it is, and and Tom was way against it. Of course, it's maybe the, one of the times he was wrong and like fighting his record company. It's like, okay, you're doing a greatest hits album, and we need a couple of new songs. And he's like, how can you call them hits when I haven't even written it yet? You don't, you don't know if it's a hit. And he's like, that greatest hits. See, that's how they get the hardcore fans because greatest hits fa- packages are ripoffs anyway because they're really just for the casual fans. But then you kind of milk the hardcore fans into getting them and the ones who won't because they already have all the records anyway. Okay, well, you put two new tracks on there and now they're right. compelled to go buy it. Right. But thanks to that video with Kim Basinger, that's like one of the greatest selling, greatest hits albums of all the time. I mean, it's, it's and, huge.
2: <laughs> and that's a cool, it's just a cool song too. Even even minus the video, it's got a really cool riff at the beginning. It's kind of a, it's it's kind of a, um, like a dirty you know nasty right. intro to it and the other thing too is i mean you remember we were friends with gentlemen from indiana oh, and yeah. we're super excited about the indiana references and shout outs in, in that song no
0: man I've, I've seen tom petty in indiana twice and oh, he boy. played that both times and let me tell oh, you boy. something son <laughs> <laughs> when they say with the and the boys on the Indian night, whoa does the place blow up, man? Wee-hoo! Oh man, they are some happy Hoosiers in that moment. I'll tell you that. You betcha.
2: He knows how to play to the crowd. He does. But, You know, it's interesting too because now I'm looking at this. So the Willberries were '88. But Harrison's Cloud Nine came out in '87 with "I've Got My Mind Set on You." Right. So, so to him, for him to get hooked up with them at that time, everything was just—it was just everything was just locking into place. Yeah. And uh, and did he write and, yeah, "Roy's
0: that- Everything You Want"? You got it, isn't that a Tom Petty song?
2: It might be, yeah. But then that was that was another big record too. Right. Roy Orbison was coming back, so yeah, everything was just everything was just firing all cylinders. Yeah, it was weird that that late eighties time period was just everybody came back from you know the the sixties seventies.
0: Uh, the sixties were big be, time in the late eighties. Yeah, yeah, everything twenty years ago. You know, because it was 20 years ago today. Oh, it's been 20 years since they said it was 20 years ago. Woodstock yeah. got popular again. And The Who, right. the, the Stones, Pink Floyd all did huge tours in that 87, 88, 89 time. Yeah, absolutely. It was big again. And, yeah, Tom was hooked up with all these guys. And he had right. the golden touch, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so
2: – so yeah, but but again, unfortunately, when you get these big new songs out, you, you can't play for four and a half hours. Right. So something's got to get pushed out. And I was I was always at. I think that was the time too. Yeah, where I went back and and kind of discovered him. Like, oh hey, you know, he's got a lot of good catalog stuff mm-hmm. um, from back in the day that I kind of. So after after don't come around here no more. He really didn't have too many big like MTV hits. Until full moon fever, because like free falling, that's now that, he was back
0: big. Well, well yeah, that. well, yeah, there was, yeah, there was. You got lucky, and then there was. I don't think Southern accents did that well, but it was the uh, "Don't come around here no more" was a big. MTV, hit. right was that 87 that was you know that was later
2: something like that yeah but then then there was a gap i think i know he put out like let me up i've had enough but i don't think that it, and that had some hits on it but i don't think anything that was real mainstream mm-hmm. and, but i if i remember correctly full moon fever was very mainstream couldn't have been Free bigger Fall was all over rock
0: radio couldn't have been bigger that you're so bad song i think was the sixth Hit off of it. I'm like, God, this is like, it won't go. It was like hysteria. It's like they just keep putting hit after hit after hit off of yeah. it and it wouldn't go away. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I did. So Stan Lynch was with them for a long time, you know, came with them from Gainesville. It was around that time of Full Moon Fever that there started to be some problems because like Howie was like, came in one day, he's like, I don't want to play this song. This song sucks and I'm not going to play on it. He's like, okay, well, that's okay, Howie. If you don't want to play on it, you don't have to. Like, yeah, fine. He left. And that was free and, and, you know, like, Stan was like, Stan, we need you to come in to do this. He's like, in Gainesville, like, no, man, I'm partying. I don't want to do this. No, you can't make me. He's like, okay, well, I got Ringo ready to go. So if you're not going to be here, we'll just use Ringo. Magically, Stan was on a flight there the next day, you know. But eventually he did kind of retire. And Steve Ferroni, who had played with Eric Clapton, who one young wolf did catch his drumstick when seeing Clapton in the third row on the Journeyman tour. He was in the Heartbreakers for a long, a long time after that. But that's when Howie, I think, was starting to have some drug problems. And eventually, you know, he did succumb to heroin, Howie. And he looked really bad at the end of his life. Like, wow, he was in yeah. nasty, bad shape. But they all went through some difficult times with substance. I mean, I think all all the guys did. But it was... I know, it was interesting because they couldn't have been huger then, right? When we were in college, I mean, he has a huge solo album. They come back with a nice Heartbreakers album, the greatest hits albums, Through the Roof, enormous. And now he's, you know, he's settled in. All right, he's, he's one of the biggest rock stars of all time now. Um, yeah. And that can that can affect the people around you. And, you know, I think it did.
2: Well, I mean, again, it's, you know, it comes back to, I think it's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And then so guys like, you know, Stan Lynch, when you want to kind of say, well, this is, I want to do this, then no, either you do it this way or you're not doing it. And yeah, I can find somebody to come and play the drums for you. Right. (laughs) So, and, and I know that was a big deal when he did the solo record and then they did the, the uh, the following tour within the Great White Open, and they're right. going to play free fall. And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. A minute. What are we doing here? So you're just saying that you can do whatever you want. You can replace us and then bring us back. And yeah, it's just. It, I think it just got to be a mess at that point in time.
0: I know, but then when I saw him live finally, Jackson, it was great. I mean, i you know, like, oh yeah, I've always wanted to see Tom Petty. I was supposed to see him in Louisville once, and he had to cancel about five dates because of an illness or something, and they never rescheduled okay. those five dates. And so I, 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 I lost my chance to see him there. Eventually came to Indianapolis right before Fourth of July one year, and Steve Winwood opened for him. And Steve Winwood wow. was so awesome because I, I wanted to see him, and I saw his whole thing. It was just amazing because he can do – Dear Mister Fantasy, but he also do give me some love, but he also do uh-huh. presence in the Lord. But he can, you know, he can do solo stuff. So I'm like, wow, his catalog's great. So then we went ahead and bought tickets to see Tom Petty again six nights later in Cincinnati because we wanted to see Steve Steve Winwood again. You know, so it was like, wow, that was amazing, that was cool. And then yeah, and then I saw him one more time in Indianapolis. Joe Walsh as a solo artist opening for him. This time, which turned out to be his last tour, which makes me a little upset because we left a little early because we were tailgating a lot in the parking lot that day. And when Uh. it got past halfway through the set, I'm like, you know, I... I, I think I need to sober up and get out of here, you know. My wife.
2: I don't think I'm gonna make
0: it. Yeah, my wife was like, you know, I I've seen Tom Petty, we can go. And I'm like, okay, all right, that's a good idea. Let's go. Which maybe not. Maybe I should have watched every single song he played. It, you know, obviously if you knew that, you would you know you would act differently, but I am glad to see but, it. His death was a surprise to me because it wasn't like he was sick or anything. And I guess it was a cocktail of the different pain medicine that he'd been on, which is what's happened to Hundreds of thousands of people in our country, right? And and the, the
2: thing that, I, that really bummed me out about that was it seemed like, it, it, to me, he was doing that because he did not want to, he didn't want to take time off. He was in a lot of pain taking these pain pills, but he didn't want to cancel the shows. You know, he was doing it for the fans and it ended up taken his life so if he had taken time off would have been different i don't know but it just that mentality of i don't want to disappoint the fans breaks my heart
0: well yeah and it's it's he said it's the last big tour it's not like we're never gonna play again they could have done residencies they could have continued to make records they could show up and do festivals or do a big show or something like that whenever they want but they're not gonna do you know like a 40-day all across america tour anymore Right. He announced that. And so he can kinda of go into retirement from the road, which in your mid sixties he's earned, right? So mm-hmm. let him do it. Yeah, so that's it was sad. It was a sad day. I remember being really bummed out about it. Like, I mean, I know people don't live to be sixty-six in his business and not everybody makes it into their old age. But but it was just it was just a shock to me. I'm like, God, losing Tom Petty is a loss.
2: Yeah, and, and it wasn't like it was somebody who was notoriously you know, in and out of rehab and everything else. Like, you never really heard anything about him being super into drugs. So, yeah, it was a it was a shock. And you would think, yeah, you know, I know you're not going to live forever, but hopefully, we're going to could have gotten a little more out of you.
0: I know, I know, bummer. But I'm glad we did this one, you know, because the temptation would be to do Full Moon Fever, right? Or, or right? Or, or maybe to do you know the the first album or, or whatever. But, but you know, being that this is an anniversary coming up. I had a unique relationship with it in that I saw you got lucky all the time on MTV, didn't like it, but grew into loving the song. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It was a good, it's a good, it's a good one to review. And then in November when it actually turns 40, we'll probably get some people to, uh, to listen to this.
2: Yeah. I really think listening to it now, it's probably a record that gets passed over a lot because it only has the one track on it. And for somebody who's put out so many records, it's easy to, to skip over it, but if you get into it, it's it's really got some good stuff going on with pretty much all the tracks.
0: Well, that's right. I mean, yeah, You Got Lucky is the only track that made it onto the Greatest Hits album, and that's the way it should be, to be honest with you. As mm-hmm. much as I love, what's my new favorite Change song? Change of Heart. Change of Art. Change as much, of as art. much as I love, <laughs> Change of Heart, how special it suddenly is to me. I mean, you know, it wasn't a hit on the radio. Uh, It didn't Mm -hmm. make a dent in pop culture, you know, and it wouldn't even be on, like, a double greatest hits album. So that's why I like the record, because it's got the one that really kind of grabbed me and got grabbed my attention, good or bad, with Tom Petty, but then it's also got some nice rockin' tracks that I can appreciate at this age, because I know what Tom Petty's music sounds like, and I know what he's about, And I know what he likes to stand up for and how his music's supposed to sound. So I'm like, yep, this is a really good Tom Petty album. It might not be a diamond seller like some of his others, and it might not have three top 40 hits, but this is solid Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers.
2: Yeah, and I think if you are a fan of his music... You're, you're best served going back and listening to stuff like this because you will get a more of an appreciation and you you're gonna find songs yeah you haven't heard before but you're gonna say ah really I really like that I don't know why I missed that to begin with, but better late than never
0: yeah, I got a feeling this won't be the last Tom Petty project that we do a show on over the years no absolutely. Well, that is the end of our show on Tom Petty's Long After Dark, the early 80s album that spawned one big radio MTV hit, but was kind of overlooked in the later years after his huge success as a technically a solo artist with Full Moon Fever, and after his run with the Wilburys, his reunification with the Heartbreakers, and the enormous Greatest Hits album of the early 90s. Some songs on there will never be played live, and some were forgotten, but I'm telling you, Long After Dark is one of Tom Betty's best records. I really loved it. I loved that first side, and I love Change of Heart. It's a great song. Yes, it was a single, but it wasn't a huge hit. Very much overlooked by the general public, And I think you guys, if you want a good listen, go check this one out. I think you'll really, really like it. I enjoyed it very much, so did Jackson, and I won't forget about it soon. Now, as usual, did we get something right? Did we get something wrong? Did we miss the point? Did we leave out your favorite part? You have to let us know. You can DM us and tweet us at Ugly underscore Werewolf or at ActionJack72. Let us know which songs, albums, bands, events, concerts that you want us to review on there. And next week, well, we've got a bunch of stuff in the queue right now. We're kind of deciding which way we're going to go. It might be a kind of a heavy metal episode, just to give you a little bit of a warning there. We've been doing some Iron Maiden. We've been doing some Judas Priest. So I'm not sure even, I can't even tell you sitting here right now, which album re- review we're going to have out next week. So you're just going to have to tune in. Of course, you can subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Amazon. Good Pods is a great one. Great place to discover new podcasters and interact with them. Neat place. I think you should check it out. But anywhere you go, please give us a good review if you have the time. It just helps us find more rock and roll fans like you, helps us grow the show, helps us line up more guests. And we got some cool guests coming on in the next couple months that I think that you will enjoy. So as usual, rock and rollers all around the world. Until next time, be cool and stay safe.